everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Deck Arts Podcast. Today I am here with Chang Chan, and she is also another Parsons Cooper Hewitt Master's candidate. Um, today we're going to be talking about Super Studio and Radical Designers in Italy circa 1960s. So it'll be fun and colorful talk. I'm super excited. Um, so you did this paper topic for a class you were in. Was it the 1960s design? Yeah, so Ethan's 1960s design. Um, yeah. So we did um, 1960s Italian design in one of our courses for a survey, and we talked briefly about Memphis, ArcZoom, um, which is part of Archigram. Archigram? Um, they're kind of like linked in this way where their name is kind of similar, so a lot of people confuse it for that. But mainly they're kind of like taking off the aesthetics and like the a lot of the ideas of Archigram, but they're two separate groups. Archigram being from London and Super uh, Archizoom being from <laughs> Italy. Yeah. Yeah, that is confusing. So, but were they similar design styles then? Um, in the way that they were designing, so ArcaZoom designed a lot of like cities and a lot of architectural like elements within cities um, and the way that the aesthetic was very like pop art and it was really colorful and it was like very large scale work so in that way ArcaZoom also kind of followed that um, and they were both kind of radicals ArcaZoom was more like um, a part of the radical Italian movement and Archigram not so much but um, they're radical in the way that they were looking at urban design and architecture in contrast to like the very modern architecture that was happening earlier on in the 20s and 30s. So stylistically and visually if someone has to like picture sort of the super studio Archizoom radical Italian design what does that look like? Um, to me, it's kind of like split into two different categories. They were doing a lot of like a lot of their manifestos and a lot of their writing and a lot of their um, like urban design looking things are larger scale. Um, and then they also created furniture pieces, so like things that you can put into your home. Um, they weren't really meant for like home decor when they were being made, but there's like two different things, um, and they kind of carry along the same aesthetic. The aesthetic being very like very colorful, very pop art. Um, what they're doing when I say like pop art is like taking icons like a column or taking icons like a flower and kind of like blowing them up into like these like very colorful um, like pieces. Um, yeah. Yeah. From what the picture I have in my head is a lot of singular colors on a on singular planes of yeah uh, shapes yeah so very geometrical um and a lot of primary colors though it wasn't like a focus like to steel being like oh we're gonna only use red blue and yellow um they weren't as like concrete with the type of colors they were using it was qu kind of more like pointing to the idea of the use of these primary colors the way that uh, modernist people were doing them so it was kind of more like a critique on that type of style um, by using the same look and the same colors and geometrical forms. But like um, one of the things that, the thing I'm kind of referring to most right now is a project they did called Super Architectura. And it was in 1966 
and it's like this installation um it's kind of in a trapezoid space and um all the walls the floor the ceiling is all like colorful and in these primary colors and primary shapes but the entire installation is warped in this way where it's kind of trapezoidal so you're looking at it with this perspective so what they're doing is like they're taking these colors and these shapes and they're warping them kind of like critiquing like the the structure of what modernist design was earlier on that's interesting yeah because they also critique i think more also classical forms as well Mm -hmm. so was this sort of did this stem from critiquing everything that had come before or did they pick certain like um i think the the classical um critique i think the, the major the one piece i'm referring like think about when you say that is like this one piece by Tori Satsas and it's like a big column it's like a column capital and he kind of cuts it on a slant and it sits on the floor like at a, like a 45 degree angle I think the Cooper Hewitt has one and it's probably in the show at the Met Brower at the moment um, but it's supposed to be a stool so the stool that's made out of a capital column and I think um, from my research I believe that like their critique on Um, classical forms comes from them being Italian and the idea of like fascism so a lot of designers in Italy during the 60s and 70s were kind of creating like a new Italian image that was going away from like the fascist ideas of like Mussolini who um, like Mussolini kind of thought that the classical imagery was powerful and used it a lot in um, fascist like architecture so what they're doing is they're taking the idea of the column and breaking it down quite literally and then making it a stool being like this chair object that you sit on not like this iconic you know um, structure element that would be in a building that's really interesting that it has um, a historical context and like the breaking away from um, fascism and like the like post-war attitude of yeah so in a way yeah it feels like they're both critiquing like their far past being like the fascist um italy and critiquing the new wave of like commercialism and capitalism in the post-war period um and i think the reason why i think i'm drawn to it so much is because it's like funny in this way it's not just like pop art where I think pop art is also funny and it's attractive to the eye in that sense, but Arkazoom and Super Studio do it in this like undercutting way where um, they're using the exact images um, and then appropriating them to make them like within their scope of criticism. So um, when they were doing all of this, who was who were the ones sort of commissioning or being? Who was mm-hmm. patron? Uh, so most of their works were published in Castabella magazine, um, which is a magazine that's actually still in production at the moment. Um, but in the 60s, Castabella was known to propel the movement of Italian radical architecture, which is where most of their works would have been published, both their writings, manifestos, and um, their images. And they created a lot of photo montages, kind of in the style of collages that you see in pop art, um, where they would overlay pictures from other magazines with their own images. Um, yeah, so Casabella would be where most of their art and writing was seen by others. 
and was it translated into different languages or um i don't believe so i mean now a lot of their works is translated um kind of like there's a book i've been reading called the italian avant-garde 1968 to 1976 by published by steinberg press and they republished um andrea branzi's um original manifesto titled radical notes um and that's in english um Casabella is still notably mostly italian now um but yeah and so who is andrea branzi andrea branzi the co-founder of arcazum um also like the notable f- um father of the idea of italian radical architecture first movement and he also played a key role in Memphis which we talked about in our classes and survey um, whose other members included Tori Stotzes who has the show at the Met Brower at the moment Um, and in Radical Notes he published he said that the avant-garde was like a technical destruction of culture and that's how he viewed avant-garde art and why he was producing in that type of style Um, and culture being like all of the traditions of the capitalist dream and destruction meaning the removal of those values so what he was critiquing was like the bourgeois class during that time and um, a lot of the things that they were building like Argazoom does this one project called Dream Beds and it's a really like lots of patterns um, lots of like colors and it's like not just like patterns but like leopard print and like marble like you know and it's all of these elements that um modernist design kind of eliminated and he brings them back into the bedroom saying that like this is what we really desire not this like minimal look but if you look at the actual furniture it's still very blocky it's not like curvature it's still very um modernist in its shape but all of the patterns are kind of reverse. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that they chose to keep the shape in keeping with the modernist? That's actually a good question. I don't think I've ever really looked into that as much. Like, it's true that they're critiquing all of these things, and the shape itself is very crucial to the modern design of, like, and, um, like, Cabousier, um, when he did the, his five elements of architecture, one is the horizontal plane, which is still very apparent in all of Arcazum and Superstudio's work. Um, I think um, maybe it strives from, like, they can't get away from the element of structure and restructure, because um, the whole idea of, like, creating a new place for somebody to live or creating a new manifesto of, like, how someone should design their house is still in line with the what people were doing earlier in the century and it's still like a way of you know telling somebody or like proposing a better place for somebody so i think the idea of structure for them still isn't um like maybe that's the one part of them that isn't as radical yeah and it's interesting too when you bring that up because i'm assuming that their pieces although they were critiquing sort of the bougie class Mm -hmm they were probably selling their pieces to the more upper class. Yeah, so that's true. Um, to Like, most of... The thing about um, both of these groups is a lot of their designs still exist only on paper. So um, by doing that, I think... I mean, like, 
super studio and art museum notably were like when people describe them like oh there's other people who are architects but they never built any buildings and I think that was one of the ways where they prevented the commercialization of their work but I mean looking at it today all of the pieces that they made and the things that were um, actually made into furniture and design objects they're known as design objects now and they sell for a lot of money um, in today's world like the way that we look at these furniture pieces is I don't think is the way that they intended them to be, but inevitably that was like, you know, the outcome of these things. And I think they knew that, which is why a lot of their works um, and their radical works are still exist mainly on paper. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like that happens very often. Yeah. Um, I recently went to um, Yale's Rare Book Library, um, where they recently acquired um, the archives of one of the members of Super Studio, and um, it's just amazing to see all these things. I mean, I haven't looked extensively into Casabella magazine, but I'm sure all of these images were once produced there, and it's a little harder to get these images in America than it is in Italy, I assume. But, yeah, I saw a lot of things, a lot of furniture pieces that actually never even got realized. Um, So I think that's really cool. But, yeah, I mean, the way that we look at the furniture now, especially, like, through, um, like, most of the time we see them in museum exhibits or, like, in large collectors' homes um, as opposed to just, like, a regular furniture object. Um, And, yeah. That's interesting. And... Also, I have a question. I, this sort of ties in, mm-hmm. but you mentioned in um, the little paper you sent me ab- about, I think it was a film. It's called 1968, I think. Oh, yeah, it was a book. Um, so, yeah, that's an interesting way of um, looking at how we see these objects today. So, 1968 is a book um, done by Maurizio Catalan, who runs a. Um, I mean, he's a contemporary visual artist, and he's a big hitter, blue chip artist, and he also runs a magazine called Toilet Paper. Um, and what Morizo did in 1968 is he worked directly with Dequise Jonanu, who is a big contemporary art collector who runs the Deste Foundation. Um, so what they did is they came together and they created this book where all of the objects in 1968 that are being photographed are of the Deste Foundation's collection, and Marisa Catalan positions them um, and takes photographs with them in the same aesthetic that toilet paper is made. And I don't know if you know much about toilet paper, but it's like provocative images of people holding objects, um, and they're all very staged, and also like very... Um, colorful and most of their images have like one color background kind of like to bring out the person and the object that's being photographed it's not like landscape it's very object oriented photography Um, and the book is like this huge book but it only has like 20 pages in it so it's like cardstock Um, each page is kind of like the thickness of like a hardcover book Um, and the photographs are really amazing and all the book is is just like the set of 20 photos and at the bottom of every page it lists the um title and the maker of all of the objects so the way that the objects are being like idealized and like that's a 
and it looks like a very natural like like bedroom so they're taking a picture where they stage these objects as if you would see them in the domestic home and then they're just like glorifying that it's not like regular objects at the same time Wow, that's a really interesting project. Mm-hmm. So, is that something that is that then a, become, the book itself becomes in a collector's item because it has those? Um, yeah, I would say so. It's not like a cheap book. It's produced really well. It's produced um, by the Dusty Foundation. Um, it's a beautiful looking object. I have one. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, it it's not cheap, but it's not like inaccessible. Okay, but I mean. I'm looking at the book, and I'm like the way that I know about uh, the things that I know about the objects. Like I'm just like drooling over the mm-hmm. objects as I'm looking through the book, and like that's the closest I'll come to those objects. Um, like one of like a Arkazoom couch that is really notable is like this one couch that's four separate pieces, and you can arrange it in any way. But the ideal arrangement creates like this semicircle in like inside the square when you put them together it creates a semicircle couch and it's like um lined with this leopard print um <laughs> fabric and it's really funny and it's usually pictured with like two ladies lounging on it um like that sofa goes for like twenty two thousand dollars oh wow yeah so are most of the objects in um personal collections or are, have most of them been um sort of disseminated through the different museums um these are really big furniture objects so i don't think i mean i don't know of any collections in america that have a lot of the bigger arkazoom furniture pieces i would say they're mostly in private collections like if you go on like first dibs which is the yeah um a lot of them sell on there so i think they're going into personal collections and into people's homes um wow that's interesting because I bet it'll, there will come a time when people don't use those pieces of furniture anymore. Yeah. Just sort of like we wouldn't think about using 17th or 18th century furniture yeah. now. It's It'll be interesting to see the the way those mm-hmm. objects are interpreted like 100 years from now. Yeah. Yeah, when we're not critiquing capitalism anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure they'll probably go into museum collections and such or... Yeah. So, was there anything in your research that you weren't expecting to find, or that you found particularly compelling? Um, I mean, every time I see a new Super Studio image, I get really amazed by it. It's just like the amount of um, effort and time that they put into these things, especially because I think it's all on paper and they're not physical objects. You kind of like go through this like process of imagining what it would be like. And I think that was kind of the whole idea of it, which I think is really great. Um, Like one of the works that resonates with me the most is their dream beds, but that's not a physical object that you can go see. They're mostly images and they take a lot of time in creating these images. So a lot of like really careful litho processes um and I saw that especially when I was looking through the archive at Yale and it's just like they're not just like um one of the things that their um super studio is known to do is like create this grid structure and um it's like everything that I was looking at was hand drawn at first and like the idea of creating this like grid image that's like a meter by meter big all meticulously drawn by hand and it looks perfect it looks better than what you would make on 
you know, Photoshop. So the idea of, like, them creating these images all by hand, obviously because it's during the 60s, but, like, it amazes me every time I look at a new image of them, especially, like, being able to see the actual, like, primary object, I think is amazing every time. So do you think that... So the Met Breuer exhibit is only on a tourist houses. Mm-hmm. Do you think that some have there been recent ones where it's more Arcazoom and Super Studio? Yeah, so um, Maxi and Rome did a retrospective recently, and it was really interesting because uh, the building that Maxi is held in is a Zaha Hadid designed um, building, and they got some of the original members to come to do the exhibition design. And so they created kind of like this red, um, like structure within the building where a lot of the things were being displayed on. So that, um, yeah, so there was that show, um, which is really cool because the original members came to do the exhibition design. Um, the Cooper Hewitt actually did a show, um, I can't remember exactly when, but Itori Stotza's, um, did some work in that one. I think it was called... Let me just see. Oh, it's in here. So, MoMA, MoMA's exhibit, the Italy, the New Domestic Landscape Revisited. Um, that was in the 20s. No, sorry. That was not in the 20s. Um, it was in the 70s. I believe it was 72 when that exhibit happened. Um, and, yeah, so Tori Stotz says, so in 1976, the Cooper Hewitt National Design Museum um, created an exhibit titled Men Transforms. And Tori Stotz says, had, instead of creating objects, he actually created photos. Um, and where he photographed objects in natural landscapes. So that was really cool, too. Yeah, that's really neat. Yeah. The photos are really cool. I'll add the link on the podcast to this book, so in case anyone's curious, they can go and get it or find it. Yeah. Because the pictures are cool. Yeah, like this one here is of a TV within this, like, meadow-type landscape with flowers in the foreground. And he wrote on the photo, design of a television for night's butterflies. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's, these are really cool. Mm-hmm. So that's what hung in the Cooper Hewitt in the exhibit? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there was more, um, but that, like, that was a Tori Stotz's, like, contribution to it. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Well, um... So what are so are you continuing to work on this project or is this just a passion of yours? Um, I think I do want to continue writing on Super Studio and ArcaZoom and bringing it more into a contemporary like scope and relating it to maybe contemporary artists who are practicing kind of critiquing the same thing and seeing where this critique takes us. I mean, this is a like the critique of the bourgeois and the critique of capital has been going on for a very long time and it's kind of almost the same critique every time we hear about it and it but I want to look deeper into it and see like the differences um and how it's evolving as like something that we talk about and something that we discuss in the scope of the growing world well that's exciting yeah Yeah. (laughs) so we should have you on another time once you do more research yeah (laughs) well thank you so much for coming on no thank you for having me yeah all right thank you so much